And I just want you to remember that as we go through this series. I think it's really, really important. So we're going to talk uh, about another meal today here in just a moment. I uh, got a bad joke for you. So a guy walks into a seafood market, sees a sign that says lobster tails, $1 each. The man goes up to the counter and says, they must be really small tails if you're selling them so cheaply. No, no. Replies the counter person, they're normal size. Oh, then they have to be pretty old, says the man. No, no, replies the counter person. They're fresh today. Well, there must be something wrong with them, says the man. No, no, replied the counter person. Just regular lobster tails. Okay, said the man, I'll have one. So the counter person takes the man's money and says, Once upon a time, there was a big red lobster. <laughs> a bad joke's even better when there's a big buildup. Sorry, I thought I'd get a better reaction than that. Lobster tails. I saw a cafe serving an all-day breakfast, but I didn't really have that much time. <laughs> Scripture reading here on purpose. <laughs> Did you like that one? Okay. Luke chapter 7, verse 36 through 50. Here we go. Now, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Blessed be the word of the Lord. I want to talk about that meal today, what we can learn from that meal and how important it is. And really, um, you know, the main characters in this, in this particular meal, obviously, are Jesus. Um, and then you have a Pharisee. Remember, the Pharisees were the established religious community of the day, um, pretty self-righteous group. But, but he'd invited Jesus for a meal. Like I said, Jesus will, he'll accept dinner invitations all over the place. So he accepts a meal, even though these guys didn't care for Jesus. This one invites him to his house. The other major character in this story is uh, the sinful woman. And so we'll be talking about all three uh, in this process today. 
But I wanted to, first point is this, and I, this is important as we look through meals together, um, that, that, and we're going to talk about reclining at the table. It said in verse 36, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. One of the things you need to have in your mind uh, as you read about and study and, and, and pray about the meals of Jesus is that these, um, they're slightly different than the way that we do meals today. Um, in their seating arrangement. So uh, a normal meal for us, we would be seated around a table, and that's how we would have a meal together. We would, we would be at a table that was, you know, table height with chairs around it, and that's the normal way that we would have dinner. But that's not the way that meals were had in the time of Jesus in, in sort of the Eastern style. And, and so it, it, it has a completely different take, and it changes things. You know, it's like a lot of times we... Uh, most of you have seen the, the, the picture of the Last Supper, right? Um, and, and for some reason, that's kind of, oh, well, that must be what it was like. But remember, that was painted 1,500 years after the Last Supper. The, the guy who painted it wasn't at the meal. That was interpretation. And people have made all these things about, oh, this guy was here and this guy's that. And look at this. It was just this guy's painting 1,500 years later of what was happening. And it wasn't a very good representation of how the meal really went because they reclined at the table. And, and so what that means is, the, the, the way we understand how this would have taken place is that the table would have been pretty much in the center of a room, very low to the ground. Uh, and that's where it would happen. And the people who would have been eating the meal, they would have been on the ground, on their left side, leaning on their left arm. There might have been a pillow or something to kind of make that a little more comfortable, keeping their right hand free, and they would eat with that meal. So they'd be down on the ground, reclined, um, having a meal this way, and their feet would be away from the table, and, and they would, the, the table would be in the middle of the room. They'd kind of be around the table. Um, and, you know, so if you can look at it from the, from, you know, the top down. So you would be um, fairly close to the people around the table, that, you know, the one right behind you fairly close, the one right in front of you fairly close. The other guys would have been over there. Uh, and, and I think if you have that picture in your mind, even the Last Supper, uh, will make more sense to you because it, it talked about the, uh, in the Last Supper, remember the, the, uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved leaned against his chest. Why did he do that? Well, he was obviously on this side of Jesus and all he had to do was lean back a little and he was right there on the chest of Jesus. So it makes a whole lot more sense when you start thinking about what's taking place. So um, I, I think it's just very important that, you know, you get the pictures right in your brain. So now here's a meal and, and, uh, they're reclining at the table. They've been invited to. Jesus would have been that way, leaning, uh, you know, on his left arm, um, you know, kind of like this at the table, right hand to feed themselves, feet extended away from the table in the process. And uh, so they reclined at the table. They were beginning this meal. Now, there's another interesting person at this dinner, and that's the second point, and that's the sinful woman. Luke 7, 39. When the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now, we don't know very much about this woman. There's another encounter in Scripture that, that people confuse um, with Jesus and Mary later on. When, when uh, just before... Um, the crucifixion and resurrection, Mary will minister to Jesus in a similar way, washing his feet, 
Uh, and, and yet that's at the end, much further on in the ministry than this particular thing. These are two different encounters. So a lot of people have tried to merge those two stories, and all of a sudden out of it, they get that Mary, Martha, and Lazarus said that Mary was this sinful woman in the story. It's not a different story altogether, a different event. Jesus is at this Pharisee's house, Simon is this guy's name. He's reclined at this table, and um, all of a sudden there's a woman who would... You know, and if you think now about where she's going to be, because she's down at his feet, um, she would have been sort of a little out, off the distance. And she, she gets to Jesus, and she begins to cry um, there in his presence. And, you know, my, my assumption would be that she's encountered Jesus already, uh, and, and he, she's heard him speak. Uh, and, you know, the way that he does and how he brings life to people, it's impacted her. She shows up at this event, uh, this party, um, and, and everybody, you know, knows this about her, um, that she's a, uh, she has a reputation. She's a sinful woman. Now, historically, people make an assumption that, that she was a prostitute, but I, I think that, that it isn't the case, and she wasn't listed as that. She was just labeled as a sinner. And, and the reason I think it's important not to take it beyond that, to make assumptions is, um, if you begin to assume and label sin, you can distance yourself from the story. This lady's just a sinner like all the rest of us. And she shows up because Jesus is there. When you look at things like that, it will help you stay in, engaged in the story. So she's just a representative of all of us at the point. She's a sinner, and she, there's Jesus and, and she goes, and just being in his presence and, and realizing, you know, all that, that he said and all that he's done, she begins to weep, uh, and she's back by his feet as she weeps. Uh, you know, the, the, the tears would begin to fall on Jesus' feet, and, and um, she, she goes ahead at that point and actually wipes his feet with, with her tears and then takes her hair because that's what she's got, and she continues on this process because she's with Jesus. She actually kisses his feet. Um, because she's overwhelmed at who Jesus is and that she's standing there in his presence. But the rest of the guests are a little shocked that this is going on, including the host of the party, Simon, who had invited Jesus to be a part. And, and the third thing that happens is Jesus says this, I have something to tell you. Point three, I have something to tell you. Luke 7, 40 through 43. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. I like this too. Jesus answers him even though he didn't say that out loud. Um, he said to himself, if this man were... You ever catch these little nuances in Scripture? If you remember back in verse 39, if this man were a prophet, he says this to himself, he'd know who's touching him. And Jesus answers him. I love that. He, he didn't even say it out loud. And Jesus, 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 Jesus. That's special when you got Jesus at your table. He also knows what you're thinking about. And, and uh, which is, you know, whoa. Okay, so anyway, he, Jesus answers him. He didn't ask Jesus. Jesus answers him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two men owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Now, what I, what, I like this encounter. When Jesus has something to tell you, 
you really should listen because it means something and he doesn't waste words and there's always a meaning behind it but you need to sort of catch the attitude now of Simon the host of this party um, he's invited Jesus to dinner for whatever reason I've told you these guys they the the established religious community they knew there was something about Jesus and at the same time they didn't like the package that he came in and so they were struggling with that and so they they would treat him with a, with a measure of contempt, like somehow they were better than him, but, but at the same time trying to find this spot. Um, and so, so Simon had invited him to his home, but he really wasn't treating him very well. I mean, that was good enough. He was, he was sort of, um, he invited him, but he's not like welcoming him with the idea of who he's got in his house. See, he's got Jesus in his house. He's got Jesus at his table. The, the, the fully God, fully man, Jesus, the Messiah, the one who his whole group had been waiting for is now sitting at his table, and yet he really hasn't gone out of his way to make Jesus comfortable. Um, and, and, and so he's, he just sort of, you know, well, here's a meal. There you go. And we're sitting at the table. You know, I welcomed you in. Aren't I, aren't I really something? Um, but he's kind of judging Jesus the whole time, and he says, you know, he thinks to himself, well, here's this woman, and if he's some sort of, he says he's some sort of prophet. That's what he says. You know, and, and people are following him, and, I, you know, miracles, and other, he's doing this stuff, and, and, but still, if he really were what he claims to be, then he would know what kind of woman this is, and, and, and he would be like me. He wouldn't let that happen. He would be, you know, it's because Simon, the Pharisee, self-righteous, he, he, that, that would never be. And let, look what's going on. And he's, he's kind of mocking Jesus in the process. The whole idea is like, if he really were, he's, he's this, who is this guy at my table? He's a fake. He's a fraud. And yet, he's got the Holy One of Israel sitting at his table. And, and, and so, there's this amazing process going on. And yet there's Jesus invited to this meal, and his feet are still dirty. See, it would have been sort of the, the, the basic sort of hospitality gesture would have been when someone came to your home, there, there would have been an opportunity for their feet to be washed because they traveled on very dusty roads. You know, animals traveled on those same roads. Their feet would be dirty. And they, they were eating in this environment. You know, now the feet were away from the table, but still... Um, th there would have been an opportunity at the very least for that to happen, and it hadn't happened. Jesus is there at the meal, and he's not making a fuss over it. Jesus doesn't say anything. That, Jesus is cool with that. He's there. He's like, okay, I'm here. But he, he looks at Simon. He says, Simon, I have something to tell you. And Simon's, you know, kind of judging him, kind of listening. And then he says this, point number four. Do you see this woman? Now, he's going to elaborate, and I'm going to read the scripture, but the question is so powerful. Here's the, here's the sinful woman, as they all know her, standing there, ministering to Jesus in the, in the thing. She's, she's, she's pouring out love to Jesus. And Jesus asks, do you see her? And I think, see, this is what's so powerful. This is what, what, what grace looks like. This is why Jesus had such an impact with people. Jesus looks at this woman he's going to minister to he sees her he looks beyond the label that everybody else saw her by and he actually sees her 
And he says to Simon, the established religious community, do you see this woman? And Simon hadn't seen her at all. He knew that she was standing there, but that was just a sinful woman who had entered into the scene. And if really, if he had any idea, you know, if he really was who he said he was, he would not allow this to happen. He doesn't see past the label that's upon her, but Jesus does. Remember, that's a good thing because we're all sinful too. We're, we're no different. Can't put ourselves above this, this woman in this situation. And she's been impacted by Jesus. Verse 44, then he turned toward the woman, because he sees her. And he says to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet. She wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Now these comparisons he makes, these would have sort of been the normal um, hospitality gestures that you would have if someone were to come to your house in the Middle East at this point in time, you would, you would have those three things. I already mentioned the foot washing would have been pretty common, nothing. Um, you would have greeted your guest with a welcoming kiss. We read that in Scripture. H however that worked, you know, air, air kiss, whatever it wants to be. But it would have been a sign of welcome, nothing. And then uh, uh, because of the, the way the meal was and, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, just the idea of not having the access to bathing the way that we normally would today, um, they, would, they would use a scented perfume generally in their hairs. Remember, they're all going to be around at a table. This would have been just a decent act of kindness, nothing had happened. No scented olive oil was presented. No kiss of welcome. No water to wash the feet with. Those would have been something that would have demonstrated that Simon the Pharisee had concern for Jesus and was happy that he was in the house. He didn't get it. But the woman who shows up, the sinful woman that has a reputation in town, she brings it all with what she's got. She shows up. She weeps in his presence. Her, her tears and her hair to wash his feet. She kisses her feet, this welcoming gesture. She kisses his feet. And, and she uses perfume that she has to anoint his feet because that's what's available to her in this process. And then Jesus makes the connection between her actions and her realization of what it means to be forgiven. See, this is, this is so significant. This is where grace comes in, and this is what most people don't get. See, it's... it's it's, it's so easy to sort of get back into the self-righteousness of Simon the Pharisee that, that doesn't get beyond the fact, well, here's Jesus, so what? He doesn't even really know what's going on. He, if he knew, if he was who he said he was, you know, I, I, I just don't get it, and I'm, I'm not going out of my way to extend anything to him. And, and the problem that he has is he doesn't realize that he's just as big a sinner because of his judgment and self-righteousness, and he needs forgiveness just as much but in his own mind, he needs it very little. And so his love for Jesus is, if at all, it doesn't mean anything. But the woman who's been impacted by Jesus, who understands that even though everyone else has, has decided to label her and not see her at all, she just kind of disappeared into this label, here comes Jesus, the one who created all. When he looks at her, he sees her, and he forgives her, and she gets it. She gets forgiveness. She gets grace. She gets the deal. 
She gets what it is to be in relationship with Jesus. She gets it all, and she realized there is nothing that, that I wouldn't give to, to Jesus. There's, there's just nothing that compares to what he's given me. I will sit here. I don't care what people say. I don't care what people think. I just want people to know that I love Jesus because of what he's done. I love him. I want to honor him. I, I want to respond to him. I want to live for him. See, see, all of us have to understand and never forget how much we've been forgiven. We never want to slip into that place of, oh, well, what's the big deal? Or, you know, but we need forgiveness desperately every day. We need His grace desperately every day. We never want to lose sight of that. We never want to get complacent or stuck or it's no big deal. It is the biggest deal in the universe that Jesus wants to be in relationship with us. And that He, he shows this amazing grace. All of the garbage we've ever done, He's forgiven. And all of us got plenty. And that's what's so amazing about time with Jesus and about every sort of meal that we'll look at, every encounter. He's just demonstrating His grace. And when people get it, they respond. My hope is that all of you get it. Every day, you continue to get it. How amazing it is that we're in relationship with Jesus Christ. That He's made a way. We couldn't make a way. We're not good enough. We'd never be good enough. We can't earn it. All we can come is as we are and, and say, Lord, I want to live for you. I want to try. But, Lord, I, I can't do it apart from you. And whatever, Lord, I'm yours. This is the heart of, of believers in Christ. And it's the heart we need to have. And it's shown so beautifully in this meal by the response. And so that's my heart. Just continually respond to Jesus and the love that he has for you. Knowing how much it means to be forgiven. And find life in him. Amen. Amen. That's it for here. We're going to uh, turn off the video. Thanks for watching. Prayers on the website. If you need anything, you can go there. You can call us. We'll pray for you. Come by and visit soon. God bless you.